0: The Latinas we dreaded in the love We'll never ever stop till the end Like
1: the brethren, CBN we out Yeah! Thank you for tuning in to Radio Blackout here on 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. You just heard from The Vanisher with Teddy M.C. of the Alibi crew. As they mentioned, uh, you can catch them at Alibi Thursdays at the Elbow Room in Ypsilanti uh, every Thursday. Uh, also playing with Sata Dandata, DJ Sata Dandata. Um, I want to thank all of my guests for coming out. Up next, we have Living Writers with T. Hetzel. It's a pre-recorded show. Um, I forget who the artist is exactly, but you'll, you'll hear about that in just a minute. So thank you for listening, and happy holidays!
2: You're listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, I'm very pleased to have Adam Zagajewski here. Thanks for coming, Adam.
0: Hello. (laughs) Thank thank you for inviting me.
2: (laughs) Well, it's so good to see you. Um, This program is being taped on the 4th of December, 2008. Uh, As a way of introduction, I'm going to read the biography in the back of Adam's latest book. May I call you Adam. That's sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, Eternal Enemies, and that's just out with FSG this year, isn't mm-hmm. it, Adam? Yeah. So hot off the press. Um, hardcover. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Adam Zagowiecki was born in Lwów, Poland in 1945. His previous books include Tremor, Canvas, Mysticism for Beginners, Without End, Two Cities, Another Beauty. And a defense of ardor, all published by FSG. He lives in Krakow, Paris, and Chicago. And now, we will fill in the rest. Uh-huh. <laughs> but where to start, really? <laughs> so well, interesting. Let's, let,
0: we may start with the cities. Um, actually, I don't live in Paris anymore.
2: Oh, okay. But it's you, but you had been in residence yes. there part since 1981.
0: Uh, no, I actually I lived in Paris for twenty years between nineteen eighty two and two thousand and
2: two. As your main residence, and then you would um, spend some time in the states, would you or, or was that
0: yes, i I went to paris in december eighty two um, and then in uh, nineteen eighty eight I started to teach in Houston uh, in the writing program. So every year I would go for one semester to Houston always in the spring or mm. in winter but they don't have winter in Houston so <laughs> they call it spring it would hardly
2: count <laughs> yes
0: So for 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 many years this was my my system between Paris and Houston
2: That's not that's nothing to sneeze at
0: <laughs> No this was pretty good and then um then we moved back to Krakow because Krakow used to be my it was my college town. Um and then after a while I I moved my my classes from Houston to Chicago. So now I teach at the University of Chicago in the fall, not in the spring. And that's a real fall. It's not
2: mm. Yes. The, the wind coming off the lake yes. there makes it quite cold. <laughs> Right. And, and so, and so, you spend some time in in Chicago now, and yeah, Krakow.
0: Yeah, Krakow is my. It's it's the ten ten months or nine months a year, and the rest is Chicago.
2: And and do you feel like that uh, that is is very important to have your base be in Poland, uh, to be in the in the in the country. Of your your birth, uh, because it seems like it uh from my reading adam it it says that when you were um you were born in lavav, am I saying that correctly? i hope yes Lviv. you are. You are. And mm-hmm. <laughs> but then the soon after your birth, the red army came and and so it became part of the Soviet empire, and your family was forcibly moved then um to another town that begins mm-hmm. with
0: a g yeah I, I'll tell you everything yes
2: well, it was actually <laughs>
0: It's very, it's complicated. Uh, actually, the Red Army came before I was born. The okay. city was had a very dramatic fate uh, during the World War II, um, almost too dramatic for this, you know, winter afternoon and in, in an arbor. It was first um, occupied by the Soviet Army uh, be, because of the the treaty between the Nazis and the the, the Soviets. Then it, um, then the the Nazis came uh, and then the, the Soviet army came back and actually liberated the city from the Nazis, but not from itself. So it stayed there. And so when I was born, the city was practically not a part of Poland, but was a, already um, a part of the Soviet Union. And this is why my family, as many other families, had to leave the city,
2: and and the city then took on something very mythical then for you. It seems, uh, in your life and 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 in your writing, uh, is that yes. fair to say?
0: Oh yes, yeah, yeah. And not not right away when I was, when I was a young poet. I I was preoccupied with other things, but it sort of slowly grew on me that this. The loss of a city, w- which I sort of pretended to be mine, uh, but I lost it. And and then the city um, changed into this mythical, wonderful kingdom that I lost. And, you know, there's nothing better for for a writer to have something lost.
2: <laughs> <laughs> especially the, the melancholia that runs through the poets, right? You have to have that sort of as a touchstone. So right. you have it as this, this place, um, but you, but you have revisited the, the.
0: I have yes. Now now it's pretty easy now. As you know, um, Ukraine is now an independent state. So now it's not as part of the Soviet Union, which doesn't exist any longer. But it's a part of Ukraine, and um, the relationship between Poland and Ukraine is very good, very friendly. So th- there are no problems with visiting. Did city. you ever
2: go when there? It was problematic because it seems like, for like in 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 letter, uh, an ode to to mu- multiplicity. You you describe the 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 main. Uh, persona as a problematic person mm-hmm. so I see you as not someone who would shy away like if it was a problem you would even go towards it then
0: mm-hmm. well yes I did I, I my first trip um, to love um, took place when I was um, 24 and this was in the deep Soviet Union yes yeah, so I saw the Soviet the Soviet layer of the city you still see some traces of it, it's, and the Soviet layer is not nothing very beautiful. It's just because the
2: of... architecture of the blocks, or
0: well, that's also. But this is on the periphery. The, the center of the city was never destroyed. The, the war was very cruel for the city, but not for the architect just for for, for human beings. The it was just the, for that, right? Just for, just that, for that, yeah. It was one of the most cruel cruel places for the Jews, and the Holocaust was really terrible in, in Lvov. But also non-Jewish people were were first deported by the Soviets and then by the Germans. But it's something that you don't see because the city is very well preserved. and It's a beautiful city. It has a lot of... Old architecture, many baroque churches so it's it's a there's a strange contrast between the the ocean of suffering that that uh, befell the city in during the war and and the beauty of it
2: mm. and so and it is interesting that it's something that that has grown the city of I mean, obviously, you were connected to it then, even from when you were very young, when you were 24. But you say that it's it's grown for you and what it it means and what it means in your your work. Um, when you with the poems from your early, like from your very young days as a poet, um, those were concerned more with speaking speaking some sort of uh, would it be the truth to political situations of the time? Is is that? Yeah, what you felt yeah. like you were doing was it sort of a mission that you had uh-huh. the way you saw yourself your calling yeah,
0: yeah. yeah you, you see it very well yes in the beginning i was um i was obsessed with this political mission of poetry and um i still take it seriously and um i couldn't i wouldn't be able to do it for you know many decades for for the entire life but as an as an important episode, it's 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 something that I'm still regarding as a uh, as a very important part of my of my writing. Yeah, and the, I was not alone. There was a, a, an entire generation of poets or a group of poets who 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 had the same feeling that this is what poetry is for. That, that we have to do some social and political critique. Um, and only slowly later, I, 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 I still, I, I, it was never a kind of sharp abandoning of this, but a kind of gradual, um, turning to, to, to other subjects as a, as a way of, of, of speaking.
2: And, and, and so what do you find then? It's, it's obviously then some, some longing and, and loss that, that, are some of your concerns. Is there a way to talk about what what you're doing now like like there is that way to talk about the poems of your your youth?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Or not. Is that maybe that's a question for another conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um well, it's simply when I was young um it was easily definable. It was um centered on this political, um, critique. Now, um, now I try to not to have any kind of program, not any kind of ideology. I just, I just try to, to be faithful to, to my life. You, you know, each, each writer, both in poetry and fiction, I think has a kind of Faithfulness to what what's going in, in in his or her life in terms of you know we are changing and and of course the writing is changing too.
2: Hopefully. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that that one of your your earlier poems uh, that that you had written um, became something that soothed people after September 11th in this country when it was printed in the New Yorker your poem tried to praise oh. the mutilated world Well, it's
0: not and a very early poem this, this poem was written in uh, it was actually written a year and a half before September 11th
1: oh so it,
0: yeah okay. it's it's not an early part i'm sorry my no, no problem <laughs>
2: not that it seemed <laughs> i was like god he is you know ahead of his time for sure <laughs> um but it, but interesting though it was written then in fact before before the event yeah it, it was actually
0: written in houston uh, during one of my w- winter slash spring semesters in houston and so this there are dark
2: times in houston as well then
0: no, that no, not really. It's it, this mutilated world. It's just it's more for me the world of my childhood. This is uh, this is what I remember from my childhood. You know, the ruins from the war, and um, and I just when I grew up, when I much later, I I realized that the ruins are not the normal situation of humanity. But when I was a child, I thought the ruins are just typical that you. Right, just That's
2: playing out in the ruins. Yes. Go on, Adam.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. I, I thought this is the, the how the world is. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. And then you come to America and you're like, hmm, well, even just, before coming the to world America. is like strip malls. <laughs> <laughs> what, go Actually, play in the parking lot.
0: <laughs> well, my, fir- my first trip to the West uh, took me to Switzerland, which is just... especially then it was obnoxiously clean and uh, (laughs) perfect i I was just shocked
2: that's how i feel about canada
1: sometimes
2: Uh (laughs) well let's adam let's take a short break and we'll be back um you're listening to living writers today on the program so happy to have adam zagayevsky here um we'll be back Thank yeah. you. back. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, Adam Zagayevsky. Um, Adam, thanks for being here. Sure. Okay, um, so so we've been talking about um, elements of your biography so far, but um, I'm sure some people are are saying, well, you know, even if i need a, a history lesson it's not your responsibility um to to give us the summary to speak on no, behalf I, of I, I
0: like doing it <laughs> okay. we can go on
1: okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well maybe um maybe we can bring in uh some of your history with and and relationships with poets uh within your time uh mm-hmm. like M- milo mm-hmm. and and herbert uh and sure, because but I, you know, I'm I sure.
0: always do this, uh, when I teach in this country, I uh, oftentimes I have brilliant students, but they're usually not so good on history, so it happens to me a lot to, to do this short history lessons.
2: <laughs> I just thought you were so articulate with everything, <laughs> but it, maybe it's from, it's that plus with the practice of having mm. to, to no, no, I'm just, provide
0: it. No, yeah, that's fine, that's fine.
2: It's true. There's, um, and it, and it must, it, but it seems like it doesn't an- annoy you, um, as I see that it, it very well could, um, seeing that history has, was something that was, uh, the historical moment is, is sort of, you don't believe can be separated from the writing, at least something that I read ab- about w- what you believed, um, mm-hmm. said this, um, and and the way that your life, like from your very, <coughs> excuse me, very beginnings, um, what history, being a part of these moments in history, so I would think that that might also lead to some impatience uh, at the at the lack of knowing, mm-hmm. or even the lack of realization that you you don't even have it. There's an absence of knowledge, just sort of.
0: No, no, you, you know, I it's a rather. Envy on my part, we, you know. Lucky, or you, you don't need to know history. So, well. uh, yeah. I, for my part, I I think that history. I I think that we are historical. That we are deeply historical, and uh, it doesn't mean that I love history. I, for me, writing is rather like trying to to uh, fight against history. But to fight against it, I have to know it. So, Exactly.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Uh-huh. Um, and and so, how important was it, for example, meeting um, these these other poets in in your life? Like, is it in a, in a sense because I, I read your essay in um, your collection by FS uh, published by FSG, A Defensive um where you where you're talking about. Um, uh, Herbert and uh-huh. and your time with him and there's also these wonderful moments where you even have a, there's you're invited to a dinner party and then he he refuses to speak to you in a way <laughs> and just how you analyze that uh, like what was just in that punishment and and was it about a, a book that you had written and if so the chapter that he might be angry about was some which you hadn't even uh-huh. the other collaborator had written uh-huh. or so uh-huh. um, so these moments like how. Uh, you speak of these people lovingly and knowing. For example, Herbert, um, you talk about his life almost like where he's he's walking with his sketchbook into a museum. Very, it seems like very intimate knowledge. Are there, is that because you were there there with him, or is it just because of your friendship over the years became deep enough so that you you know this about him?
0: Um, first, we we had. Many things in common. We are born in the same city. He was also born in this in this half legendary city of Lvov. Um, we were actually baptized in the same church in, in Lvov, in the Saint Anthony Church, um, and he he knew it too. So we had this the, this this in common. Um, he was of course much older, a, a generation older um i admired his his poetry very much and he he came to my high school when i was 17 so he was practically the first living poet i i saw and since then i started to to read him systematically every every collection and and much much later we became friends it happened so that we lived for a while in berlin and then in paris so actually we, i knew him much better in, in a more intimate way abroad than in poland and so i saw his i knew about his daily life i knew about he was he he had um, illnesses he was not in a good health so i sometimes i even tried to you know to help him in, in as much as i could so it, it became a, a very close friendship and and not not an easy one because of his illnesses and uh, but i think for every writer for every poet um, to meet an older writer uh, who, who you admire and uh, this this I, I i like this relationship of um, have, having a master having somebody that you you can listen to and and um, I think that this is because in Europe and uh, including Poland, there are no writing programs, so you you don't have masters um, in the sense of going to workshop and uh, listening to to an older poet. It's, it 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 happens in a much more informal way through friendships, mm-hmm. and so. Um, but,
2: but is it something that you would even be conscious of? Like when you were a young poet, did you seek him out um, for this to fulfill this need in some way, maybe subconsciously? Like, or
0: maybe subconsciously, but then I, I wouldn't know. About <laughs> <it>.
2: <laughs>
1: Let's figure it out.
0: <laughs> no, I was not very. No, I was not conscious for me. I, I just you know when when you are young or very young and you meet somebody who you admire it's also a part of snobbery you know you you want to be near somebody who is who is um, so admired but the for the most part it it was just this you know the admiration and and some and some you know secret wish to maybe I will learn
2: something from yes <laughs> yet yeah, b- because if you're already familiar with the Poet's work, then mm-hmm. you have before meeting them. Even you have probably this this s- strange trust, or because if it's work that you can can see into in some ways, right? You refer-
0: Although you, 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 you remember that, for example, Proust would say that there's nothing worse than to meet a a writer you admire, because then the person, the physical person, the the, the real person is never. On the height of the work There's in, in a Proust novel there's this character Bergotte who is a famous writer. the narrator admires him deeply and then one day he he's meeting a strange person with who, who an ugly face and is saying nothing interesting and and later he learns this is Bergotte. this is you know this is my my idol so this it can happen too.
2: Sometimes the genius is, is in the work, and the the and not necessarily on the. Yeah, you know, I, I think write, writers,
0: poets, and writers are are famously introverts. So uh, I think it happens a lot that they're not the 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 talkers and they're not the people who who are great conversationalists. Uh, sometimes they are, but I see it rather as an exception. After a few drinks. Yeah, maybe after a few drinks or on a good day, you know. Uh, g-
2: exactly. Now that's that's mm-hmm. a fair way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so, d- now looking back, uh, you have poems that are, for example, um, addressed to Herbert or where he's he's very much in them. Um, is that the way he impacted your work, or do you feel like what you were doing? Because it seems like at that time you're absorbing everything and to be near this person of ideas that you felt aligned with was important. Um, so maybe it's just an organic thing that happens or, or are you aware of something that how you started seeing your work shifted as well or?
0: Mm. Well, it's hard to say, Well, I think what's, Im- what's m- most important. I, I was very lucky and I think when I was very young, I, I I didn't really realize it, uh, that um, this was this great moment for Polish poetry. There was these wonderful poets around. Mios was in California. Um, I, I met him much later, but I could speak to Herbert, to Szymborska, mm-hmm. to, um, And I thought this was, you know, normal, but so later I I understood that this was something absolutely unique and exceptional about these great poets who could meet in the same room and and, and talk uh, to each other. And so, of course, you learn something, but it's very hard to define what, it's not you don't, you're looking for your own voice, so it's never. You never steal the voice. You can steal everything, but not the voice. You can steal, you know, a metaphor, or um, but but never the voice. The voice is. I, I mean, that's the essence of writing to have to having a voice. And but this, this is something so mysterious. What does it mean to have a voice that you you don't even dream of you know, of learning it? You just it happens or not.
2: Yes isn't that the case it's and it's it's one of those um intangibles that how do you even talk about it? You can know of it when it's there or or, or when you read it but
0: right n- yeah so i and and yet um so probably you know not meeting great poets uh it's really not a disaster for you, but if you can meet them it's 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 a great thing so even if you don't know what does it actually produce in terms of, of influence. We don't know. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I think, that, uh, you know, like Proust, it's maybe better just to read the text. <laughs> but then I think, no, no, no. So many hours with these great people.
2: Yes. In, in the life of the imagination, being with someone through their words. Mm-hmm. Um but it seems like it, what must be amazing is that it was normal. Like you said, that is the most important thing from it, that that it was normal for you to meet with these these people. Mm-hmm. It's just life. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> life mm-hmm. for Adam Zagajewski. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: Well, um, well, we'll take a short break. Adam, when we come back, um, perhaps you'll read a poem for us and okay so we'll be back you're listening to living writers i'm t hetzel today um adam zagayevsky his latest book eternal enemies we'll be back Welcome back. If you're just joining us today, Adam Zagayevsky is here in the studio. Um, we have his latest. We have many of Adam's books here that FSG kindly sent. Um, Eternal Enemies, the latest just out this year. Um, Without End, New and Selected Poems, A Defense of Ardor, um, The Essays. I have a quick question. Uh-huh. Working with a translator. Um, because it seems like, are you writing in Polish? Then is that, or what? What can you say mm-hmm. a little bit about your method?
0: Sure, yes, I I write mostly in Polish. The, recently, I I've written several essays in English, but never uh, never a poem, only and only essays. But this book of essays was translated f- from the Polish. So there may be one essay that, which was written in in English, but. But the rest was translated. Or I, I'm not even sure of that.
2: Oh that's it because it does end the cover it does say yes, no, no, Claire Cavanaugh. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, Claire Cavanaugh is my my wonderful translator. And she's doing both poems and, and essays. And she 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 teaches at the Northwestern University. So you're
2: in the same neck of the woods. So. We
0: are in the in the, in Chicagoland, yes.
2: Yeah. yeah, no woods at all really. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and is it how is it working now with Claire Cavanaugh, Whereas before, from your earlier, from this new and selected poems, it's many, uh, many people were were translating, or or several like C.K. Williams and mm-hmm. um,
0: Renata Gorczynski. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Oh. Actually, Robert Haas was collaborating with Renata as He's well. He's been
2: a friend of the show. He came I on. See. Yes, I as see. well. <laughs> And oh. and spoke of Meloche then, uh-huh, too, because sure. it was a year ago. and, yes. and with, some yeah. um, Yes, and and actually Bogdana and John uh, Carpenter yes. have also been on. Uh, we were talking I about see. Julia Hartwig's yes. um, In yeah. Praise of the Unfinished uh-huh. as well. Uh-huh. So it's been very lucky. Uh-huh. But but back to the question, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> how is it working then? With Because now it seems like that would transform the work somewhere where you're working as the work is being produced um at much closer to its time you're working with a translator as well whereas before it seems like the work was in the world in these dif- in different books and perhaps in poland and in germany and other places in france bef- before coming being translated here mhm so what's yeah, well, it like but it hasn't
0: changed so much oh, it's it ha- still okay. um still the a poem has to be written before it's translated. <laughs> oh, there's <That's>, always that. <laughs> that's yes, that's the main thing. And maybe the time distance is shorter now, but it's still it's still. Uh, but you know, you ask me about the collaboration, and you expect that I'm sort of sitting in the same room with my translator. But that, that's mm-hmm. that's not like this now. No, she's she's so good, and and I'm she, she, I trust her so. You know, limitlessly, almost, almost limitless.
2: <laughs> but it would seem to me that I- even if you're writing them in in uh, Polish, the poems, which I think is really interesting, how you 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 say that there's a very, it's like there's a chasm between the writing of the poems and the thinking and the writing of the essays. Um, but but your English is phenomenal, and mm. so is it that you. Why do you not that? I don't want to say. Why do you need Claire? In a way, like even if the the poems are coming into life in in Polish first, um, as they, I I would believe they ought mm-hmm, to. Yeah. Um, what is it about having Claire in the process that you like?
0: Oh, that many reasons. First, I I just pretend that I, my English is so good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I no, that's true. I think if you speak in a foreign language, you can always choose a way of speaking, avoiding reefs. <laughs> That's um, oh, but the main thing, no, the main thing is that um, only the only a native speaker is absolutely free in the as far as the idiomatic layer of language is concerned. And when you translate poetry and prose, probably it's the same. You have to have this this absolute freedom with with the idiomatic with things that are where there are no rules. Just one word is you know is uh, sounds good and uh, another doesn't. So I I simply linguistically I'm not good enough to do it. The other reason is that um, once a poem is finished for me, it's it's finished. I I just I'm not so terribly interested in in doing the translation because. I'm much more interested in writing a new poem, so that's that's always this this feeling of oh of déjà vu, you know, right. oh I know this poem. I'm
2: saying this again, right? I'm not exactly. Sure why?
0: Yeah. yeah, But even I could overcome this, but you know, simply this not having the skills and the, this this freedom of a native speaker. That's the main thing.
2: Well, would you read us a poem now? And a, and a and I'd like to say a poem of your choosing, because uh-huh. there's been some arm twisting, so I don't want to. <laughs> 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 we can. <laughs> and, then, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. SM- oh, <gasps> thank you.
0: Okay, so I read this poem To Go to Lvov. To Go to Lvov. Which station for Lvov? If not in a dream, at dawn, when dew gleams on a suitcase, when express trains and bullet trains are being born. To leave in haste for Lvov, night or day, in September or in March, but only if Lvov exists, if it is to be found within the frontiers, and not just in my new passport, if lances of trees, of poplar and ash still breathe aloud like Indians. And if streams mumble their dark Esperanto, and grass snakes like soft signs in the Russian language disappear into thickets, to pack and and set off, to leave without a trace at noon, to vanish like fainting maidens and bardocks, green armies of bardocks. And below, under the canvas of a Venetian cafe, the snails converse about eternity. But the cathedral rises, you remember, so straight, as straight as Sunday, and white napkins, and a bucket full of raspberries standing on the floor and my desire which wasn't born yet, only gardens and weeds and the amber of Queen Anne cherries and indecent Frederick. There was always too much of a Lvov. No one could comprehend its burrows. Hear the murmur of each stone scorched by the sun. At night the Orthodox Church's silence was unlike that of the cathedral, the Jesuits baptized plants, leaf by leaf, but they grew, grew so mindlessly, and joy hovered everywhere, in hallways and in coffee mills revolving by themselves, in blue teapots, in starch, which was the first formalist, in drops of rain and in the thorns of roses frozen for sissia yellowed by the window the bells pealed and the air vibrated the cornets of nuns sate like schooners near the theater there was so much of the world that it had to do on course over and over the audience was in frenzy and didn't want to leave the house My aunts couldn't have known yet that I'd resurrect them and lived so trustfully, so singly. Servants, clean and iron, ran for fresh cream. Inside the houses a bit of anger and great expectation. Brzozowski came as a visiting lecturer. One of my uncles kept writing a poem entitled Why? Dedicated to the Almighty. And there was too much of Lvov, it brimmed the container, it burst glasses, overflowed each pond, lake, smoked through every chimney, turned into fire, storm, laughed with lightning, grew meek, returned home, read the New Testament, slept on a sofa beside the Carpathian rug. There was too much of Lvov, and now there isn't any. It grew relentlessly, and the scissors cut it. Chilly gardeners, as always in May, without mercy, without love. Oh, wait till warm June comes with soft ferns, boundless fields of summer, i.e., the reality. But scissors cut it along the line and through the fiber. Tailors, gardeners, censors, cut the body and the wreath. Pruning shears worked diligently, as in a child's cut-out along the dotted line of a roe deer or a swan. Scissors, penknives, and razor blades scratched, cut, and shortened the voluptuous dresses of prelates of squares and houses, and trees fell soundlessly as in a jungle. And the cathedral trembled. People bade goodbye without handkerchiefs. No tears, such a dry mouth. I won't see you anymore. So much death awaits you. Why must every city become Jerusalem and every man a Jew? And now, in a hurry, just pack, always, each day, and go, breathless, go to Lvov, after all, it exists. Quiet and pure as a peach, it is everywhere.
2: Thank you, thank you, Adam, for sure. reading that one. It just also occurs to me that um, I was I was gonna make a joke and then I thought, you know, I shouldn't always. Whenever something oh. is so um. Uh, it feels so much sometimes. I think, oh, I'm... Uh-huh. and my joke was like, and now for it in Polish. <laughs> uh-huh. But it, but then that's not a joke because then I think is, thank you for reading it in the English so that that I I could understand. Uh-huh. Um, but how how strange because then it seems like we we should have the Polish as well. Um, not for that particular uh-huh. one because I know that that was very long. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. But you know, I, part of my. The English language and you know being here, so spending here so much time teaching, knowing American poets, it it all makes for me the English language and these translations so close to my heart that it's it's not like an you know it's different in in German or in French, but in in English, I it's like a part of my personality, part of what I am.
2: Well, we're gonna take a short break and we'll we'll be back um, to speak more with Adam Zagayevsky, um, his latest book, Eternal Enemies. We'll be back <laughs> Welcome back. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Living Writers on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel, and today in the studio, Adam Zagayevsky. And I'd like to also say thanks to Hugh Stimson for engineering, as always. To the... Mm. <laughs> to the... Max? <laughs> I was going... Yeah, sometimes nice that words mm. fail me on mm. the on the Living Writers show. <laughs> Get, we just had an 80s flashback there, Adam. Forgive me. Um, I think I think I'm, it's just so much after hearing that your beautiful poem. Um, thank you mm. so much for reading. Um, sure. Yeah. And um, and hopefully listeners will probably have um, had hopefully the opportunity to have seen you in person um, because you're here in town um, doing a, giving a reading in Rackham Amphitheater. Um, meeting with students. i <laughs> um, going to Detroit too. I hear you're doing uh, just yeah everything. tomorrow tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and that's to see the Polish community in the city, is that and writers that are of the area. I
0: think that's the, the yeah that's the idea. Uh-huh.
2: Oh well, wonderful. You're a very busy man. <laughs> you'll have to go back to Krakow for a little uh, relaxation. For scene. Christmas. Right? Oh, for Christmas. So yes. you'll be going back. Yes. That makes uh-huh. that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So Adam, I, I know have you caught your breath enough to read um one of the poems from your new book? Yes. Would that be? Uh-huh. From Eternal Enemies.
0: Yes, the title sounds a little bit warlike, but it's <laughs> the book is not such a <laughs> such a warmongering book. I read a poem that's um very different from the other one. Th- this is a poem on a on a Greek poet, a young woman poet whose name was Irina of Telos and uh, I was just struck by her fate she, uh, this is all uh, I say this all in the in the poem she died very young and she still is remembered as a poet, it's one of the very few cases that, f- in, from the antiquity to have somebody who died at the, at the age of 19 to have a few poems preserved and, and so that the title of the poem is "Arena of Telos She was 19 when she died We don't know if she was lovely and flirtatious or if perhaps she looked like those intelligent dry girls in glasses from which mirrors are kept hidden She left behind just a few hexameters We suspect that she strove with the secret, uncertain ambition of introverts. Her parents laughed her to distraction. We speculate that she wanted to express some vast truth about life, ruthless on the surface, sweet within. About August night, when the sea breathes and shines and sings like a starling, and about love, ineffable and precious. We don't know if she cried when she met darkness. She left only a few hexameters and an epigram about a cricket.
2: How, and how did you find her? Were you researching something out? Like, how, how did you come upon her?
0: Well, I think that the word research is not really fitting for poets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it's more serendipity. It's just, you know, I think it's true for many, or if not all, poets that we always read five books at the same time. There's this insatiable curiosity. But research, you know, research. It's something systematic, and you, you know. You Put on the, the
2: white coat, right, <laughs> right?
0: You have this elbow patches, and um, and you have um, you know what you are looking for. I think the the difference that when you're an artist, but you 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 don't know what you are looking for. You just you have this hope that you will find something interesting, not necessarily for your poems, just for yourself, for your for for your curiosity, for for. For you.
2: Because how do you separate the poems from you, really? Because would you be alive in that way if you weren't writing the poems?
0: Um, can you say it again? The
2: well, would I'm just thinking like with, with when you're writing poems, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's such a part of who you you are, I would think, Adam, that how if you weren't writing them, you you wouldn't be alive in the same way. Oh
0: yeah well, oh, probably yes, I've never tried, but yeah
2: <laughs> well, please don't yeah after that living writer's thing
0: <laughs> but but what you say is very true, it also strikes me always as something really strange and and maybe interesting that you know for 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 the writer for for a pod. Uh, a poem written by by you is never an object it never becomes an object. you never have a kind of cold objective look at at something you you wrote which is sometimes very irritating because you never know exactly what what do you write it's a very strange handicap of 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 poets maybe of writers in general maybe of artists in general um, Not
2: being able to separate.
0: Yeah, I, I know so well poets written by my friends or, or, or by people I never met, but they're objects. They're perfectly objects. But something I've written is never an object for me. It, it has like a little particle of my soul attached to it, and I it never goes away.
2: That's a good thing you have a big soul.
0: Well, I don't know how big it is. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, the, with the solace, when you give it away, it doesn't diminish; it grows.
2: <laughs> yes, and that is that part of your sort of your writer's manifesto or your your human.
0: Uh, well, I try not to have any manifestos, not to write any manifestos. I, I have this. I did write several in my life and i think the youthful
2: literary Manifesto. I've, I've reached
0: an age when it's really unbecoming to write manifestos How so uh, well no maybe there's nothing to do with those age simply um i see more and more um attraction in having no no uh programs and just Just trying to be yourself, and and without any programmatic visions, Uh,
2: which is what you said at the beginning. Yes, which is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Because why would you want with a manifesto? You're by saying what something is, you're you're automatically almost making these boundaries around it somehow.
0: But I may still, I may may sin again, you you know, because I (laughs) I have this. Nerf for manifestos.
2: <laughs> Hello. Uh. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, will you let me know? <laughs> uh, absolutely. I'll, I'll write you an email. That would be great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come back on Living uh-huh. Writers, wherever you are. We'll pipe you in uh-huh. through Skype or something with the manifesto. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it just seems like a natural thing to... I, I, the, the essay. Um, you said that you. you are able to write the essay in English but not so mm-hmm. how how do you see because that's the mind working on the page in a very different way like with the with the poems is that is that the soul working on the page or because you you were quite clear about how it's different the poems will come mm-hmm. in polish the este- essays could come in either
0: mhm um yes i am not quite aware what is the difference I think that the essence of of writing poems is that poems are always understated. There's always a, the poem a poem never reaches the the the, the this the entire page. It, it it's always uh, it's in the in the middle of the page, and there are these islands of w- white paper around it. And maybe this is why a poem requires from, from the writer a a linguistic perfectness which only a native speaker can have. Oh. But the simple reason is that the this when a poem is being born um this first notes or ideas or, or words or, or the first line, it always comes to me in my in my language, never in English. And the, an essay has a lot to do with ideas, with with some constructions, with some structures. Um, so, and then I find it really so intriguing and interesting to write in a language that's not mine. It's just this practice. It's it's. Um, but writing poems, it's not a. It's it's you know, it's deadly serious.
2: <laughs> he says as he's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because you said um, the title of your collection, the latest one, Eternal Enemies. It's not like it sounds, but for some reason, um, and maybe I'm always looking for, like if there's a, an anti-poem, I'm, I'm all for it. I think that's a poem that really loves something very deeply about being a poem. That's why it's the opera. That tri- I don't know. Um, so when you were saying eternal enemies, in some ways, I felt like that meant um, like some sort of it was some sort of love, like, and instead of what it would sound like on the surface. Um, it
0: comes from a line from one of the poems, and it's time and love, eternal enemies, yeah. which I think is. I'm afraid it's true.